Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Well, let's talk about a game that we haven't hit on from Saturday. You know, the, the, the Giddy Up Award. To my man, to my boy, Blue, Giddy Up! You know, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, my boy, Blue. I think I got a song for him now. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, it's my boy, Blue. Ha, yeah, wee-haw. They won that game because of my boy, Blue. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, it's my boy, Blue. I mean, just, it, that's all there was. I don't know any other way to say it. Wee-haw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh good. boy! Well done, well done. That's a that's a that's a that's an old school posse there. That is, you don't want to mess with that Josh posse Allen right there, riding horses. Um, that was fun. That was fun. So, uh, Josh Allen advances. Uh, not as easy as we thought it was going to be for the Buffalo Bills. The dominance not at the level that we had seen in the final six games of the regular season. But as you said yesterday, Josh Allen made the difference on a day where the Colts could have, maybe should have won the game. Your boy Blue steps up, gets on the horse, rides in on the white horse, and saves the day. Um, okay, so uh, what we're doing now here, I'm in the wrong segment. I wondered, what's like, why are the names of all the losing quarterbacks in front of me? We're talking about the winning quarterbacks. We yes. don't have time for losers here. We only have time for winners. We like winners. We don't like losers. And uh, let's talk about, well, although we are talking about the losers later. Here is the winners. Yeah. Uh, you looked at the film, and uh, let's start with your boy Blue, yeah. Josh Allen. How did he pull it off with a defense that, frankly, was not good? 450 yards allowed, no turnovers generated, 24 points scored by the Colts, and it could have been more. Running game wasn't there. How does Josh Allen save the day? Under those circumstances. Well, he's just, he's, I mean, he's in the zone. There's no other way really to to say it right now. The way he's playing, it just, you know, he's, he can be surgical if the offense delivers it. And then his ability to extend plays and play backyard football, it's arguably as good as anybody in, in the game right now. I mean, it's right up there with really Mahomes. I think they're the two best backyard football players in the game. And, you know, the way they call plays, they put pressure on defenses. This was a tough football game. This was a lot of Josh Allen. They couldn't run the football. He was the leading rusher. You know, and, of course, his throws made the difference of the game. He was absolutely amazing. There's no other way to really put that. Mike, the Colts dominated the line of scrimmage really on both sides of the ball. They really did. They took your approach, which you were all over last week, where they ran the ball and they tried to run the clock out a little bit and keep Josh Allen on the sideline. They knew who they were dealing with, and they did it quite well. They really did. The pressure was on Josh Allen all game long because their defense was fighting an uphill battle. They couldn't stop the Colts and anything they did. But it's just Allen's you know, ability, especially, you know, it's, it's about the game-changing plays. 
You know, there's never empty yards. It's never like, whoa, he moved the ball between the 30s well today. No, he skips right by the 30s and then gets down in the red zone. He's like, here's a ball from the 29 to the 29. Zoom, now we're in red zone, and here we go. But he just makes so many plays that way. I mean, nothing can be more specific to the end of the first half, right? The Colts miss the field or don't go for it. They go for it on fourth and one. They don't kick the field goal. They're up 10 to 7. He's backed up. He runs down the right to the right sideline and throws an unreal ball to Gabriel Davis. A few plays later, scrambles left. An unbelievable throw there. Then he gets people to jump off sides on a fourth and three because he's got a hard count right now that rivals Rodgers and Mahomes. And then he runs the ball in for a touchdown because inside the 10-yard line, he's almost an unstoppable force right now with his ability to run, throw, and extend plays. And it's just uh, – it was a great performance is what I'm saying. Sorry to blabber so much, but – you know, giddy up, Josh Allen. He's reached a level of confidence, ability, and experience, and he's still in only his third season. He's only going to get better as he has more opportunities to see defenses, to understand how his skill set fits with the skills of the defensive players, and we see that confidence building, and we see risk-taking, but it's in a more confident, yeah. And effective way. The the throw to the end zone falling down. A year ago, that's a disaster. This year, it's a thing of beauty. Right. It's that simple. And it's the product of just working and working and building and growing and, and getting better. And, and wherever the Bills finish this year, and we'll make our picks later this week for the divisional round games. And I know, Chris, before the wild card round, you said it would be not a good matchup for the Bills to welcome the Ravens to town right, right out of the gates. Well, they're welcoming the Ravens to town right well in the second round, not yeah. right out of the gates. It's not a great matchup. It could end now, but the future's bright. They're going to be in the conversation. They're going to be around. They're going to be back. Because what, what the wild card game proved is – even on a day when nothing else is there, exactly, Allen is going to make it is going to make it happen and compensate for a bad defense and a non-existent running game. Uh, that that's right. You're right, and that agreed. Like it's it's you know they got talent and young and, and young talent at receiver, tight end, along with Josh Allen, the running back. Like I can't imagine them going anywhere anytime soon. You know, not to say they're going to be a number one seed in the playoffs year after year after year, but you know, with the way it's set up. And some of the pieces they have in their roster, and as talented as he is, yeah, I think like like we talked about a few weeks ago, I think he's hit the stratosphere of the top guys in the game to where you just go, he's on the field, okay, they got a chance to win the football game, you know. And they, you know, the, the thing I love about Buffalo is, uh, you know, they play to his strengths and they put pressure on you with how they call the game on the offensive side of the ball too, you know, because of the things you said, Mike. They can trust him now. You know, when he does take risks, it's a calculated risk, but they're always attacking because they can trust, hey, we can call a bunch of deep routes and he won't just throw it no matter what anymore. He'll look for the check down, the underneath throw, or buy some time and scramble and wait for one of those guys to come back and he'll make a smart decision. And they've gotten to the point too where, you know, like even the other day, the hell would like you know, let's run and, and put the game away. No, it's throw and put the game away with Josh Allen and them. And he doesn't let you off the hook for anything. The best example, Mike, too, is like the Stefan Diggs touchdown pass down the right sideline. You remember that in the game? You know, he's one where we've talked about in the past with Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and some other guys where you just go, like, you can't let teams play man-to-man on that guy that's you're, you're doing a disservice to your own team you got to take advantage if Mahomes sees Tyree kill one-on-one he's going to exhaust that until it's like okay fine he's covered and I can't go to him anymore and that's the other thing I love about Bill the Bills and Allen and Diggs when it's one-on-one they go oh you you want to take that chance fine here we go giddy up it's Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and we're going to tear you apart and that's going to make defenses always have to think twice about ever being aggressive or leaving him alone, you know, as far as Stefan Diggs is concerned. That's what the Ravens defense is going to have to deal yeah. with this weekend. And we're going to talk about Lamar Jackson in a second, but I just want to press pause and point out as we search for the next Peyton Manning, Tom Brady year after year, it feels inevitable. They're going to meet in the playoffs and we've had different connections and permutations of quarterbacks that could give us that rivalry. I think we've lost sight of the fact. I know I have. 
there's a bunch of great quarterbacks now. I know. It doesn't all have to come down to two. No. We can have Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. And maybe they won't meet every year in the playoffs, but man, when they do, get ready because it's two great quarterbacks on the field at the, not at the same time. They Yeah, we know. You know, you know we know the idea. Right. Yeah, yeah. But but, but Lamar Jackson, okay? He stepped up, got his first playoff win after uh 2 years of being great in the regular season. Not great in the postseason. He carried over what he did the final five weeks of the regular season into the playoffs. What did you see from him that was different, especially from the home loss to the Chargers two years ago, the home loss to the Titans last year in the playoffs? Well, I saw a guy that didn't panic when they got down, like we saw a little bit last year. When they got down, he kind of just started to play like his hair was on fire and was like, the hell with this, I'm going to go video game mode and just try to run around and make some of the damnedest plays you've ever seen to try to bring us back. And, of course, that led to some mistakes too. You know, So I think there was a better understanding of, hey, let's not panic. Let's stay within who we are as a football team. But you know, like I just talked about with Josh Allen and we were discussing, you know, the big thing is in the big moments, the big guy, Lamar Jackson, made all the big plays. You know, I think that's the big thing right off the bat. You know, his ability to extend that play when they were down 10 nothing and it was a third and nine and he scrambled to the right. Coach Dungy pointed it out on Sunday night in our pregame. Uh, that was a teetering point of the game where the Titans were in control. They drove the ball the first two times. It's 10 nothing. Baltimore hadn't showed anything. And that's what a great player does. So, hey, okay, settle in, everybody. I got us. I'll make a play here. But I think the big thing that stuck out to me more than anything, Mike, we know the running is special, the playmaking, the scrambles. The connection between him and Hollywood Brown, that's what I excited me about the game more than anything with the Baltimore Ravens. We talked yesterday. Everybody knows the Ravens have an issue. They don't throw the ball outside the numbers. Look at the spray chart here. It was almost like they, they self-scouted thyself, Mike, and they went, you know what? We do throw the ball over the middle too much. Let's have a game where we actually do the opposite and barely throw the ball over the middle. And you see here, you know, all these green dots all out on the edge. A lot of them were Hollywood Brown. If they can continue that aspect where Lamar can scare defenses and start to make them respect like, oh, you got to defend out there outside the numbers. And you can't leave Hollywood Brown one-on-one -on -one all game long because he's going to throw an out route or a curl route or a slant route. That is going to make them so much harder to defend. And I think that's the number one thing that jumped out to me about their game. Ravens did an okay job against the run, but that little aspect helped everything out just enough when the run wasn't clicking and hitting on all cylinders to where they had offense and something to go to. Conscious effort to get the ball in the hands of your playmakers, too. That's what we're seeing different from the Ravens. Definitely. There was that little flip down to the end zone. It was a little right. dangerous. Yeah. It was a little off target. Could have been a disaster, but you get – Hollywood Brown in motion, coming around. You flip the ball to him. Technically, it's a running play. But come up with ways when you have weapons, get them involved. That was the tweet from Hollywood Brown yeah. that he deleted after the first right. loss to the Steelers. You've got these great players. Why aren't you using them? Greg Roman waking up finally to the idea that there are some things that can be done that uh, that really do that really do enhance your offense, Definitely. diversify it, and then make it easier for Lamar Jackson to do the things he's so good at. Exactly. If you can draw people away from that cluster in the middle and they're worried about the ball going outside the numbers, it's going to be a lot easier to run it inside the numbers. No doubt. You know, you've got to play a guy like Sean McDermott this week. If you're so predictable to run the ball up the middle, throw the ball over the middle, hey, him and Leslie Frazier are going to come up with a game plan and go, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to have to do something else. You know, this is going to have to make them think twice this week, to your point. Great offenses make you defend the whole field. And, you know, you think about the Ravens. It's J.K. Dobbins up the middle, J.K. Dobbins up the middle. You know, Lamar right off the edge, up the middle, up the middle. And then, you know, it's fake those little runs and over the middle of Mark Andrews, the tight end, and all of that. So defenses can continue to just pack it in there as games go along and start to feel comfortable there. Now... You spread the field a little bit or at least have the option of, hey, we'll throw the ball outside the numbers a little bit. Teams will be a little bit, you know, scared, right, to put all their eggs into let's stop Lamar and J.K. Dobbins running down the middle. 
I thought it was a great adjustment. They don't need a lot. They're a very good football team. They're talented. They just need a little schematical advantage every now and then to give them a little edge, make things a little easier every now and then so they just don't always have to blow people off the line of scrimmage and Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins got to make unreal runs. It's going to kill you this week to pick the Ravens over the Bills, isn't it? I, I've, been, I've been thinking about it the whole time. I don't know where to. I don't know where to go in this one. I really don't. It's this is all these games this week. I mean, it, this is some weekend we got coming up with these matchups. But yeah, this one I, I got my eye on, and it's our game. I mean, I can't wait. Come on, NBC Saturday night. Yeah, uh, my boy Blue. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm very excited with what the Bills have done. They are the new entry. They are on the scene. It's fresh. It's fun. The the Ravens have had, it's you know you've had your chances. You blew your games. How much faith are we going to have in you? But I, I feel like right now, we 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 said it throughout the month of December. I know no one is going to want to mess with the Ravens in January. They went to Tennessee and beat the Titans. They made the Titans look ordinary. They bottled up Derrick Henry. It's, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but but. Uh, yeah, that's not going to be You're leaning Baltimore, it sounds. Like it sounds no like No matter what I Baltimore. do, no matter what I do, I'm going to be wrong. Uh, we all were wrong, except for America and Rodney Harrison. There was a huge push from America. When we did rehearsal, it was only 33% on the Browns. Right. Then it was 55% on the Browns. Rodney flipped from the Steelers in rehearsal to the Browns during the game. He knew what he was doing. What did you see that the Browns were able to do to allow Baker Mayfield to, to perform, not that he had to go out and do a Josh Allen and win the game. That's it. But he still had to not lose the game. He had to be confident. He had to keep scoring points when the Steelers finally woke up. How did he pull it off? Well, he, he played the game the proper way for what how the game kind of laid out there in front of him. You know, he didn't try to, you know, do anything more or, or try to add to stats or anything like that. Hey, the game was very comfortable. For a team that is – you know, oh, man, we haven't been in the playoffs. We can't beat our big brother, the Pittsburgh Steelers, ever. Think about, you know, how great it was for Baker Mayfield to go, man, the first time I touched the ball, we were up 7 nothing, and I was on the 46-yard line going in. You know, that was a great confidence builder for a team that's going, wait, we didn't practice. Can we? Are we going to be able to beat this team? All of that. So all of it, you know, lay, came laid out perfectly for Cleveland. But, you know, I, I think, like, I just think of little things. The first touchdown pass to Jarvis Landry, right? Mike, remember that little slant route over the middle and all that? It, to me, that just shows the, the, the maturation of Baker Mayfield. Very similar play route concept and even defense by the Steelers of where Baker Mayfield threw a pick six to Minka Fitzpatrick earlier in the year when they went to Pittsburgh and play. But it just shows you – what he's seeing on the field, he's seeing it all now, he's comfortable. It was a very similar defense. The Steelers played a defense to steal away that slant route from Jarvis Landry. Minka Fitzpatrick was right there. But what happened this time is Baker had his eyes all over him. So Baker is just seeing the field, making the right decisions, and pulling the trigger where it looks like he's not even thinking right now. It's just coming like secondhand nature, and that's what it looked like throughout the day. And as the game went and they got the lead, he just kept getting the ball. Okay, wait, I'm not going to be greedy. Get the ball out of my hand. I'm not going to let TJ Watts strip sack fumble me and turn the tide of the game or anything like that. He managed it really well and had the right, you know, feel for, okay, let me take a little chance here now when it's 35-23 and put the pedal on the metal again to kind of put our foot back on their throat. I mean, really mature performance by Baker Mayfield. Can I ask you a very important question? Of course. What is secondhand nature? It's a new Simsism, <laughs> is what it is. Yes. <laughs> Simsism. Simsism. Dun, dun, wait, wait. Dun. No, seriously. Seriously. What the hell was I trying to say there? Hold on. Second nature. Right. Second, second nature. nature. There we second go. Nature. Second nature. Yes, right. Yeah, so secondhand, secondhand news, second nature, second right? Nature. I don't know secondhand if that, that one nature. is truly just dumb. That makes no sense, so I don't know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. It has. We need to get the reel for 2021 going, and it's January 12th, so that's good. There's another one. I think we have two so far, so good. we'll have plenty good. by the time the end of December rolls around. Uh, by the time the end of December rolls around, Tom Brady will be 44 
almost 44 and a half and still playing football at a ridiculously high level. Um, it, it Look, it wasn't spectacular on Saturday night, and, and there was always this sense of inevitability they were going to win. We were far more fascinated with Taylor Heineke. I wonder if right. Tom was miffed at all. <laughs> like, Some of his reactions were on the sideline. Like, everybody's caught up in this guy that never played before and may never play again. Hey, I'm Tom Brady. What the hell? But uh, what did you see from him, and 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 how much of that do you think translates to this week? Well, I I think it's still the, the number and the stat line you see there on the you know our graphic. Twenty two completions for three eighty one is what jumps out to me. I know there's you know eighteen incompletions there, but I don't really care because to me what I'm more impressed with is man twenty two completions for almost four hundred yards. That just tells you when you know he's throwing the ball and the guy's catching it. It's it's a big play. I mean, almost every time it, it's a it's a whoa, that's a first down. Whoa, that's 15 yards. Whoa, they went for the 40 yard big one and hit the 25 yard one instead. Uh, that's that's what jumps out to me about them right now. They're just Mike. It's it's the same thing we've talked about. It's the protection phenomenal. They do a great job, and like we've talked about, all keeping an extra tight end in, or they'll bring in an extra tackle in the game and have no tight end of the game. So now they have six offensive linemen across the board, and he'll run a play action, but they protect him up, and they are looking to strike down the field and really really never were really stopped throughout this game. You know, it's seven scoring drives, only punted, I think, four times, and really I think three out of those four times, I, I looked at it as like, uh, Tampa kind of messed that drive up. I'm not sure. I'm not going to give Washington the credit for stopping them. And last thing here, Mike, I'm sorry I'm blabbering, but I just want to throw this out there to you too. One of the things I found interesting about watching the film back, I always look at like how another team approaches the game because I like it tells you sometimes what they think of their own team or how they match up, right? And the one thing early, Washington tried to run some different defenses and blitz and do those type of things because – I think they, yeah, they want to give Brady some new looks, and he's Tom Brady, and he's seen every defense in the world. But really, I think they started the game going, I don't think our front four can get there past these big suckers on this Tampa Bay offensive line. you know. And that's where, that's where I found it interesting, too, just to go, whoa, there's that Washington coaching staff, that D-line, and I think they even came into that game going, I don't know if we can get next to them with just these four we got to maybe send some guys at them every now and then. And I think that just tells you how they're protecting Brady right now uh, as part of the story. Can we put the graphic back up again? I did some math, and I want to make sure it's accurate because this really is phenomenal. When you've got 400 yards, right? wait, 381 <sighs> yards yeah. on 22 completions, that's 17.3 yards per completion. And even with that, even with 22 of 40, that's not much above 50%. Right. It's still 9.5 yards per attempt. Exactly. Even though, you know, 48, 49% of your throws hit the ground. It's amazing Pressure. that he had that kind of performance. Yeah. And look, and it also, hey, he, 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 that's no risk it, no biscuit. That's throwing the ball down the field. You know, that's, uh, that's what Bruce Arians envisioned in a weird sort of way when, when Tom Brady came to town. And if you're blocking those guys and one of the things Arians said, and this gets back to the whole Juju Smith's shoes to the Browns is the Browns stuff. It wasn't Tom Brady that necessarily was motivated by what Chase Young said last week. It was the offensive line of the Buccaneers. Yeah, that's Arians right. Arians said that after the game, they took that to heart. Yeah. They were motivated by this notion that this Washington defensive line was going to overpower them and get to Tom Brady. And they didn't. And that allows you to average 17.3 yards per completion because you're not dinking and dunking. You're able to get the ball down the field. That that's uh, It goes back to you know what we said in the first hour. The game is about home runs and strikeouts now. I, just, I think we've hit a new era and cycle in football. You know, I really do. I think the dink and dunk offense in the NFL is slowly dying out. You know, there's a lot of empty yards and, and nothing that happens there. Man, do the Bucks put pressure on you with their play calls and the way they're protecting Brady right now and the way he's throwing the football. 
uh, you know, again, uh, other than Josh Allen, I'd go, this is the best downfield passing attack in the league other than that, that what we got in Buffalo. So that's how special it is. And, you know, you said there's no risk it, no biscuit thing, Mike. One thing I've thought of recently, you know, it, they've done a phenomenal job getting Tom to be comfortable to throw the ball down the field and feel comfortable in the pocket. They really have. That's where Byron Leftwich, Bruce Arians, they deserve a lot of credit because that was something Brady was reluctant to do the last few years in New England. And uh, they changed him that way. And when you consider their style and who they're playing on Sunday night for the third time this year, a team that has beaten the Buccaneers twice, the New Orleans Saints, they are still infield single hitters. Yes. And they'll dink and dunk exactly. and they'll make it work. And and it will be the matchup of the oldest quarterbacks in NFL history when you oh, combine it 85 years old. And Tom Brady posted this. This is awesome. Now, I say that Brady looks like David Letterman. Twitter says that Drew Brees looks like the dad from Family Ties. That may be before oh, your time. No, I know. Yes, he does. He looks a lot like the dad of, uh, you know, uh, what, what's his, you know, what's his name? Alex P. Keaton. Right. Michael J. Michael Fox. Michael J. Fox. Thank you very much. It, very much. I could see both of those. Yes, Brady does look like Letterman there. It, very similar. That's really good. And that's cool. They both, they both had some fun with it. I just wonder whether or not Brady actually created that or that is the photo that he keeps in his attic. And that's what that photo currently looks like. You have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? Let's go ahead and take a break on that note. Do you know Do you know what I'm talking about at all? No. When I tell you that there's a guy who's aging and he looks very youthful, but he has a portrait in his attic that is the thing that is aging, does that ring any bells whatsoever? No, it does not. I can't lie. Why? Okay. No. All right. All right. We'll, 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 we'll revisit it. Next. I'll tell you during the break okay. because everybody else knows. I don't need to tell them. It's secondhand nature for everyone else. Well, that, there you go. We'll, talk, <laughs> well, well, let's let's talk about some losers after the break. And no, we're not going to talk politics. More PFT Live right after this. Around any corner. Within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Taylor, I just wanted to know as we talk now on Sunday late morning, have you begun to come down from what must have been an incredible experience? I haven't been able to, to look back on it at all. I'm, I'm, I'm running on fumes right now. Actually looking forward to going taking a nap after this. But again, when I wake up and, and, and maybe in a week or so and I look back at, you know, what transpired over the last month, um, it's definitely something to be proud about. That's Taylor Heineke from the Peter King podcast, available now wherever you find your podcasts. And Taylor Heineke may be something that Washington has found as a candidate for their quarterback in 2021 and maybe beyond. Let's talk about some of the losers from wildcard weekend. Hey, it's football. There's winners and there's losers. And even though Washington lost, we expected them to lose. They may have found something. What did you see from uh, Heineke Chris, and do you think that that he has a fair shot at 
at taking that job next year? Should he get a fair shot at it? I don't know if I could say that. I don't know if I could say, you know, it was an unbelievable performance. It really was. And I'm not trying to take anything away, but we have seen nothing that has been like that. You know, as far as preseason football, I know he got to play in Carolina a little bit, you know, did well at the end of the Carolina Panthers game a few weeks ago as well, you know, but we had never seen a performance like that where you just go, oh, okay. I mean, that that's it. We got to sign him and he's got to be the starting quarterback. Uh, so I think he's certainly earned the right to go back there and be the backup quarterback, compete that, compete for that and maybe even be a backup quarterback somewhere else. But I don't think just off of one performance you can just go, we found our guy, and now we're going to go with that. Uh, I, I don't think that will go over with the fan base. And, you know, again, I think I would need more evidence and a few more games to see a guy before I anoint him that. So, yeah, they still have to address the quarterback situation. There's no doubt. But, man, Washington, I, I'm excited about Washington. Awesome defensive line, good offensive line. Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin. You know, Logan Thomas at tight end. There's a lot of things to like about their team. They're not far off. You know, they get a quarterback and, you know, a player here and a player there. And I'd say watch out for Washington in 2021. You know, the thing about Taylor Heineke that I'd be concerned about, I yeah. feel like he emptied the tank in an effort to audition for the job, taking some physical risks, getting himself banged up having to go to the locker room. You know, it may not be sustainable no. week in and week out That's for it, him Mike. to go right. full speed sprint for a whole game. He did it for one game, trying to secure his future, trying to help the team advance. That's not a week in and week out answer at the quarterback position. And, you know, there's been some rumors linking Cam Newton to Washington because of the Ron Rivera connection. Nine years together in Carolina, I'm not sure that that works for yeah. either guy. I think that they both may need to go their own way, but – Obviously, the quarterback position needs to get solved in Washington. And once they solve it, once they get somebody they feel good about, and Alex Smith, he's due to make more than $18 million next year. He's not sure he's going to play there. Surely not going to want to pay him that. That, to me, is the big question for them. What's their strategy? Sign a free agent. And it seems like every year now there will be free agent quarterbacks where for years there were none. Yeah. Every year there's going to be options. Or you draft a guy or you try to trade for a guy. But that's going to be the key. What does Ron Rivera and Scott Turner want? What do they envision their quarterback being? Because the, the, with the defense and the weapons, this could be a yeah, team right. that, that doesn't just become – you know, a seven and nine division champion on a regular basis, they could be the team that takes over the NFC East. I, I, I yeah, I don't doubt that. I really don't. You know, the, the hard work is done, as you've said. You know, they, they got guys to win battles up front. They got some young, you know, talented guys. You know, the team is really, you know, in, in a pretty good spot altogether. And, and, you know, as far as the Cam Newton conversation, you're right. I hear that a lot over the last few weeks. I, I don't think that makes any sense for the Washington football team. You know, they got a a younger team that is growing and has a chance to go in an upward direction. I don't know if you want to bring a guy in who's towards the end and where you might be having this same conversation, you know, a year or two from now again going, okay, now who are we going to bring in after Cam Newton? And also, yes, a guy like Cam Newton, we know he's a different presence, a different guy in the locker room altogether sometimes – you know, you, you, you don't want that kind of guy with a young, impressionable team that's kind of growing. So uh, I don't think that makes sense necessarily. And I would expect them to exhaust other avenues other than Cam Newton and free agency or the draft. Yeah, everybody wants that answer for five or ten years if they can find it. And I think that's job number one, not a, not a, a Band-Aid, but a foundation for the future of the franchise. The Bears thought they had their foundation in Mitchell Trubisky, who was the second overall pick after they traded up in the 2017 draft. His contract now expired, technically not expired until March 17 at 4 p.m. Eastern when he can sign with anyone unless he re-signs with the Bears. Here's Trubisky in the aftermath of Sunday's 21-9 loss to the Saints on whether or not he can be the answer for the Bears moving forward. Mitch, do you want to be back here next year? Yeah, I think um, I think I could definitely see myself back here next year. Obviously, a lot of that's out of my control, um, but it just it feels like home, and it feels like we have unfinished business. Um, and right now, I'm really just um, bummed about how the season being over and how the game went. So a lot of emotions going on right now, but um, I, I could see 
I can see that, but we'll, we'll see. There's a, there's a lot of things that got to happen and a lot of decisions that got to be made, and um, it's out of my control, but uh, I can see that. It doesn't sound very convincing as he says it. You know, that's the difference between the words on paper and seeing the words delivered. I think he's just saying what he has to say. I could see it. Yeah, I could see it, but I'd like to not see it. I'd like to see something new. I get the impression from Trubisky that's what he's looking for. And the other side of it, too, is what do the Bears want? Are they going to re-up Mitchell Trubisky under these circumstances? They didn't use the fifth-year option. He's going to be a free agent. The franchise tag, based upon the performance we saw in the postseason, highly unlikely. And, you know, we still don't know what the Bears are going to do by way of their GM and their head coach. There's speculation in Chicago that GM Ryan Pace could be in danger. I don't like the idea of firing the GM and matching the GM with the coach who's already been there. Matt Nagy's won uh, enough to get to the playoffs twice in his first three seasons and just got there this year. Yeah, they were 8-8, eight and eight, but they still got there. I, I, I think you keep both or you keep neither. Yeah. And if you keep neither – Finally, they've got to have the conversation about whether or not team president Ted Phillips needs to go. So maybe just keep all three and do it again. But quarterback is going to be key, Chris. I, I you know, Trubisky, I'd be surprised if he's back. They, they got to get somebody who can run the offense the way that Matt Nagy wants to run it, period. If Matt Nagy's not going to completely and totally overhaul the offense, although we saw some of that this year, I think he'd rather run his offense. He needs to find someone who can run his offense. All right, but, you know, that, that's limited people. You know, I don't. what's he want to run, Kansas City? and Well, find me Patrick Mahomes, and then fine, let's go. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's kind of hard no, they to find. Had, they had a shot at it. I know. They, well, yeah, you're right. I know. If but you so, haven't heard. So the first thing is, I, I mean, I am more of along your lines. You know, Chicago's closer to the top than the bottom. I don't look at this as like a teardown job. Yeah, I know, like, you know, the GM, Ryan Pace, has had a few mistakes here and there. But overall, that Bears roster is pretty damn good. It's not perfect. Matt Nagy, I think I could say the same thing. You know, yeah, there's been some mistakes, and certainly, you know, the offense is underwhelming, but overall, it's been pretty damn good. I mean, 12 and 4, what was it uh, in 2019? 8 and 8, right? Didn't make the playoffs. This year, it's 8 and 8. They got in the playoffs and, you know, still continued to fight and fought through a lot of adversity. He did show the ability to adjust. I think that was key there. You know, as far as the Mitchell Trubisky thing is, uh, I would just say to Chicago and go, well, like, show me a better option to replace him, okay? If you think you can get Matt Stafford or something like that, then fine. Okay, see you later, Mitchell Trubisky. But if it's going to be another, like, we're going to bring in some Nick Foles, not really a starter in the NFL backup guy, then I would go, that's just stupid. Stop wasting your time. Give it to Mitchell Trubisky. There's not going to be like nobody's going to pay Mitchell Trubisky franchise money like you're saying or a big contract. They should be able to sign him to a one or two year deal at a very manageable number and work with that and just fix the roster a little bit. And if Matt Nagy's willing to go all in on this style of offense or adjusting to the players he has, then damn, they could be better than they are that they were this year and right back in the thick of things. So I'm in the favor of keeping things the way they are there in Chicago. And the worst thing that could happen for the Bears would be to see Trubisky go somewhere else and have him become a star somewhere else. That would just be the ultimate bag of salt on the wound from taking Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes if you end up having to hear about Trubisky being great somewhere else. And, you know, if there's a coach that that looks at the skill set and says, I can get the most out of this guy – not quite make him into a Josh Allen, but like a Josh Allen. You know, you have that mobility. You've yeah. got the size. If you use it the right way, if you use it smart and you develop as a passer and you have some good weapons around you, it's salvageable. And maybe that's what the Bears need to do. Come up with some sort of a short-term bridge option to keep Trubisky around unless they have a better uh, a better opportunity yeah. to upgrade. But that's the key. You got you to look at what you have versus what you may have. And even though there are more quarterbacks available than ever before, there still aren't great quarterbacks just hanging around waiting for someone to say, hey, come join our team. Right. All right, let's take a break. Wild card weekend. Excuse me. Super wild card weekend. Goats in a bad way. We'll draft them next here on Pro Football Talk Live.
All right, there's your divisional bracket. Four games this weekend, and they all should be excellent, entertaining games. Although, Chris, I got to tell you, after having six in Super Wild Card Weekend, is there a way we can have two more? I don't know how to do it. A couple of consolation games? I don't know. I want six again. I like that three windows per day, Saturday and Sunday, but we'll have two windows Saturday, two windows Sunday. And before we close the book on Super Wild Card Weekend, we have to give out our awards. Goats in a bad way. Since there is no trivia question today, I will just go ahead and give you the first pick since you were right about Nick Saban being I do have a trivia question. Any sport. No, no. Oh, Okay, you good. I, I didn't say there's not. I yeah. got nothing here. I it's got, all right. Go, go ahead. All right, go ahead. here we go. Is it a Nick Saban trivia question? Yes. Uh, is he the greatest college coach of all time? Yes. Is he one of the greatest coaches of all time? Yes. Oh, you got that wrong. Sorry, I'm fair. I'm first. Okay, here we go. Taylor Heineke became the second Washington QB with a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown in a playoff game. Who is the other? Rushing touchdown. Hmm. Throwing touchdown, playoff game. Brad Johnson. Brad Johnson. It's uh, Mr. Primetime himself, but a Kurt Cousins. You're a favorite quarterback. Oh. Yeah, baby. I knew there was some. <laughs> I knew there was a Minnesota connection. I just went too far back in time. I don't even know that Brad Johnson played in a playoff game. I think he, he did. did in 99. He did. We yeah. saw the Kurt other Cousins. night. He was there in Washington against yeah. Coach Dungy in that crazy game. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um. Going to go with someone that I got a lot of respect for here, but I don't think had necessarily his best day as far as managing a game. I'm going to go with Frank Reich as my first pick. You know, two reasons. You know, one, hey, yes, I didn't love the fourth and goal decision to throw it there up 10 to 7. You know, your defense, everything's playing well at that point. Go up 13 to 7 on the road. Uh, I will blame Phillip Rivers there for fading away for no reason to on that throw. Uh, he deserves a little of that. If he just stepped up, it's going to be an easy throw. For some reason, he faded away. Um, but between that and then I'll tell you here, here's the one that kind of got swept under the radar because of all the craziness of that game. Had a really bad challenge. <laughs> what? What did I say? <laughs> What did I say? <laughs> you said swept under the radar. Oh, that, I like that. Actually, we got two. We got two in one that day. Like. Go ahead. See, that's really sweeping it. That's really that's like really <laughs> under under the radar. But either way, I think I think the Zach Moss. You remember this play, Mike, where he got he fumbled, but he didn't fumble. He was hurt. He was laying on the ground. Somebody stripped the ball out. Frank Reich challenged it, and they lost the timeout because of it. And guess what happened? The Colts got on fringe field goal territory and had no timeouts, had to throw the ball towards the sidelines. Of course, the Buffalo Bills knew that, and they couldn't ever get closer to actually kick the field goal because they missed that timeout. So because of that, I'll, I'll pick Frank Reich, who had a, a really damn good year, but uh, had some bad moments on Saturday. That, that, hey, look, that fourth down play, if it works, he's a genius, and maybe they win the game, but he went all in. When you go all in and you don't have the cards, you got to deal with the aftermath of having gone all in. I, I got to start with a guy, and I can't believe I'm saying this because he had 13 catches for 157 yards and a touchdown. How can he be a GOAT? He's a GOAT because of what he did last week, because Juju Smith-Schuster lit the fuse on a bomb that the Browns didn't even know was there at a time when the Browns were teetering on the brink with all these COVID issues. They're not going to have a coach. How in the hell are they going to win? What are we going to do? He gave them with, with one sentence, the Browns is the Browns. He gave them the ultimate diversion. The ultimate way to snap out of whatever funk they were in. It's very easy to think last week. We're just done. It's over. That's it. It's hap It's not happening. It's not going to happen. It's not. Hey, we are, it was our year to get to the playoffs. It's not our year to advance. Thanks to Juju Smith-Schuster. And I'm sorry, somebody's got to say this to him. This enabling of behavior that undermines the interest of the team has to end in Pittsburgh. Whether it's dancing on the logo, which finally ended, or saying things that unnecessarily motivate the opponent. The Browns is the Browns. Why? And uh, Juju's the GOAT. I, I, I get it. I mean, I'm, it's hard to argue that, certainly. There's no need for it. You're right. I mean, it gave them a little extra incentive. 
Uh, it, it's, it's, it's playing a dangerous game that way. It does, it does motivate other football teams. So, uh, I hear you there all the way. And did I see a video last night of like him doing a TikTok dance on the field late in the football game? Did you see that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. And it looks like I honestly, on the video, it looked like the Brown sideline was probably saying something to him. At the end of the game, the competitive part was over, and they were like, probably, it's, to me, it looked like they were like, hey, you're not TikTok dancing now, and he looked over them and did a dance real quick or something. But either way, it's just a little immature. He's got to stop that. Um, Javon Wims, wide receiver for the Chicago Bears, will be my second pick for the GOAT draft. In a game where offense was going to be an issue, points were going to be hard against that great Saints defense. The Chicago Bears needed every possible opportunity to make a play they needed to come through and make it and they Matt Nagy and company dial up a great trick play you know toss it to the right toss it back to Trubisky was that receiver kind of like a reverse and now he's going to throw the ball a deep post down the middle of the field the game seven nothing Saints but the Bears defense is playing pretty good you could see they got a good feel Man, can they score some points and just keep the pressure on the Saints? Wide open, perfect pass by Mitchell Trubisky. And Wims whiffed it. Didn't even get, I don't think he even got a hand on it. It literally went right through the breadbasket, right, Mike? And uh, that was a big moment in the game just to give Chicago a little confidence on the offensive side of the ball. And, and the way it was unfolding, and it's one of those moments where if you're a Saints fan, you're saying, oh, bleep, oh, bleep, oh, bleep, because you see it coming. Right. And then all of a sudden, Trubisky ends up with the ball after he had split out wide to the right. Right. And he fires that thing and it's a thing of beauty and it's going to be seven to seven and all. And here we go again, right. Saints. Right. Here we go again. And he drops the damn ball. That just took all the air out of the balloon for the Bears. And it felt like they were just kind of trying to run in mud after that offensively they had the play and and you know how this goes all week long they're excited about it they run it on the practice field oh this is going to be great and they're talking about it hey when are we using that play oh when are we going to use that play oh here it comes here it comes shh, shh, wait 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 oh ah. it just it gets it just it, you're done how do you recover from that and obviously we saw the bears don't recover from that all right next one for me hmm i, I can't believe i'm saying well I'll go ahead and take Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's on the board. I mean, he'll say it. He'll admit it. He, he had 40 rushing yards. He had a long of eight. He didn't get it done. When you have morphed into Jim Brown, you've got to play like Jim Brown with the season on the line. And even though, as we talked yesterday, the Ravens had a great plan to get to him and knock him down before he could do damage, you still got to find a way to do damage if you're the guy. You create this huge expectation, and then when the team needs it most – it just disappears. 18 carries for 40 yards. Are you kidding me? So I love Derrick Henry. He's a Hall of Famer. He could probably have another 2,000-yard season in his career, but you got to show up in the postseason. He did it last year, and he didn't this year. Yeah, uh, it, it was a tough day. No, no doubt about it. I mean, he's a special football player. You know, we talked about it yesterday, though. He needs a little room to get, you know, the engine revved and get going, and that's where – you know, the Titans offensive line let them down a little bit too. They were dominated. They really were. That that Ravens D-line was possessed and kicked their butt. Um gosh. Yeah, you know what? I'm you're smirking. I know what you're smirking at. I I, I mean no, I, I'm not smirking at anything. I'm I, I guess I I'm gotta smirking, take I'm, I'm gonna take the NFL referees. I'm taking the NFL referees as a whole. The whole, all of them? All, of, all them. of them. The, every, Even the ones who had nothing to do with every, it. I don't know because I can't remember all their names, but every game had a disaster moment. Every game uh, throughout the weekend. There was an issue. I mean, whether it was, you know, the bad job reviewing the Zach Baskill fumble in the Colts game, you know, the just the longevity of some of the reviews, the dead moments of just referees having conversations in the field, the reviewing of plays where – I can't even remember right now off the top of my head. There was a guy laying on the ground for six seconds, and the ball got stripped out. What game was that? And we went to review to see if it was a fumble. He literally was on the ground, took a nap, woke up, 
took another nap, and then he fumbled. It was Cam Akers in the Seahawks game. That's what it was. It was the Rams running back. He was on the ground for four seconds. Somebody pulled it out. We ran around the field. The referees never blew the whistle. We went to a commercial break to review stuff where I just go, are we watching the game, referees, or are we just sipping pina coladas and having a good time? I thought it was a disaster of a weekend. Everything. So I'm taking them all. Sorry. Well, I, 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 I don't disagree with you. Okay. They've got to step it up. They've got to get it done. And look, it's, it's very simple. It is Sky Judge. But they don't want to spend the money for Sky Judge because they don't see the incremental benefit arising from the cost that would be devoted to it. And this is one of the problems with the NFL. And this isn't something I'm making up. People in the atmosphere will tell me this. And this is where it's come from. People look at it and say, look at all the money we pay to this person, this person, this person, this person. Why do they not properly value these key functions? That's what Dean Blandino said himself. Sure. A couple of years ago after he left, they don't value the position of right. senior VP of officiating. It's one of the most important positions in the league office. Why do you not properly value it? All right, get the sky judge and things like this won't happen. Last one for me. I hate to do this one. I hate to do it. But Russell Wilson, what... Let Russ cook. What was – and I know the Rams have a great defense. I know. I know the Rams have a great defense. But Patrick Mahomes would shred the Rams' defense if given the chance. You know, we saw early in the season Russell Wilson kind of barge his way into, hey, you know, don't forget about me when you talk about Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. And it all fell apart. It all fell apart. He wanted to have the chance to be the straw that stirs the drink. And uh, the the straws the straws missed the the, the glass, Chris. Yeah, no, it, it, well, he did not play his best football the last five six weeks of the year. There, there's no doubt about that. You know, I, I certainly you can place some blame on him. I, I also I think Brian Schottenheimer could be in that a little bit too, for just lack of creativity and giving him some more chances for plays in the past game. But I understand the rust criticism. We got to put a pin in it for now, yeah. but but this this idea to go back to the run and keep Schottenheimer that may not be good for the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. We got to take a break. We'll be back with more PFC Live right after this. Seven coaching vacancies, no dominoes have fallen yet. Don't be surprised if one does soon. Don't be surprised if it's Urban Meyer to the Jaguars. I'm just saying. With the Texans, Chris, I caught wind yesterday of some buzz that Jim Caldwell could be the guy. The goal is, and this would be smart if it goes that way, you need somebody who's going to come in and fix the relationship with Deshaun Watson. And I think Jim Caldwell could do it. He's worked with Peyton Manning. He's worked with Joe Flacco. He's worked with Matthew Stafford. Maybe he's the guy who can fix it with Deshaun Watson. He could fix a lot of things. I mean, he's been extremely successful just about everywhere he goes. And he is a guy that can kind of get the organization all in the right place and has the right demeanor to do it. So I get that for sure. That's it for today. We'll see you on Wednesday. Thanks for some of your time. Have a great day. See ya. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.